Today is Wednesday, June 29th. Spencer Rattler discussion. Next on the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. It's time for the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. Here's the cock father himself, Keith Olson. This is Rogers again to the 25, 20, 15, 10. Rogers scores! Get the ball to Bennett and Dawes. Jackie Bradley Jr. delivers for the Gamecocks. Walks it up, looking for Kelly. Everybody, welcome in to another Worldwide Wednesday edition of the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast, episode number 975, and we got a great show planned uh, for you today, and the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast, as always, is sponsored by 5diamondbotanicals.com. Mind, body, and spirit, Five Diamond Botanicals uh, manufactures and distributes hemp-derived CBD, edibles, oils, and topicals. Let's face it, guys, gals, we're not getting any younger. Whether you're a bowler, a tennis player, a runner, maybe you're your kid's soccer coach, you're in the church softball league, you get finished with a workout, a tennis match, a day at the bowling alley. You got some muscle aches and pains. Let me tell you about their roll-on and about the salve. Use these products consistently. These have helped my knees and my lower back. I just can't tell you how much. Uh, they've got other products like the edibles the gummies, and the sublingual drops. You put one or two under your tongue. At the end of the day, it kind of helps turn down the volume in your head. Helps you relax and unwind after a stressful day at work. These products can help support recovery from exercise-induced inflammation, help support healthy sleep cycles, and for me, it just helps with the support of everyday uh, joint and muscle pain. They've got great products for your wife or significant other. They've got the bath balm. They've got the body lotion. Check them out at 5diamondbotanicals.com. F-I-V-E diamondbotanicals.com. Proud sponsor of the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. All right, a couple of news items here, and then we're going to dive into the main thing today. Uh, Women's basketball, UConn announced 
their non-conference schedule. The game with South Carolina will be at UConn on Sunday, February the 5th, undoubtedly on national television. Uh, I suppose since it's up there, it could be on FS1 or even Fox for that matter. Um, The Gamecocks have never won at Connecticut. Gamecocks beat the Huskies for the first time uh, in February of 2020 in what was an electric, sold-out Colonial Life Arena, 70-52. to The following year, they should have won at UConn, couldn't make free throws, couldn't make layups. Paige Beckers took over in overtime, and UConn won 63-59. This past year... The two teams met at the Battle of Atlantis on November the 22nd, and South Carolina won 73-57. to Then the two teams were supposed to play in Colonial Life Arena on January 27th, but because South Carolina's game, SEC game with Ole Miss had been postponed, And that was going to be the only opportunity to make it up. You remember South Carolina lost that first SEC game to uh, Missouri. Tennessee at that time was undefeated in the SEC. And so, you know, even if South Carolina beat Sam, South Carolina would have been 14-1. and Tennessee could have been 15-1. and Obviously, it didn't happen that way. Tennessee had some injuries. They lost some games, including to South Carolina, and the Gamecocks won uh, the regular season with a 15-1 and record, but that game was not played. The two teams played again for the national championship April 3rd in Minneapolis. Gamecocks won again 64-49, and so the last three wins for the Gamecocks have all been by double digits so you'd have to think with the injuries with no page backers at that time in january south carolina would have won that game that would have been uh, for the last five and as it turned out south carolina could have beaten yukon three times in the same season that did not happen but this is could be a really big feather in the cap another statement win for South Carolina, for their program, for Dawn Staley, for Aaliyah Boston and company would be to get a dub in stores, Connecticut. Uh, That'd be big. It'd be the first time South Carolina's ever won up there. And that'd be another statement win. And that would give you four wins in the last five meetings And if you got after them pretty good, it could be four straight double-digit wins and four wins in the last five games. All right, baseball. Adds Vanderbilt first baseman, Gavin Cassis. Okay, Cassis is the... Uh, brother, I got it here somewhere. 
of Tristan Cassis, a former first-round pick of the Boston Red Sox, who's now on their AAA team. Uh, Gavin spent the two previous seasons with the Commodores. He played in nine games as a true freshman, 10 at-bats with a double, RBI, one walk, two strikeouts this past season. He played in 22 games. He started 13 games. Uh, his injury was sidelined with a knee injury. Prior to that, he was hitting 294 with one home run, three doubles, and 14 RBIs and 51 at-bats. He was uh, one for two against the Gamecocks with a single and a walk to his credit in that series, which South Carolina actually won. He is the second first baseman added into the class along with Memphis first baseman and D.H. Jacob Compton, who was a first team uh, all AAC, who also hit 291 with 11 home runs and 56 RBIs, which was the most in the conference. So those are the guys added to uh, some of the more recent additions to Mark Kingston's club. And I think they want two to three more still, maybe two more now. And uh, they definitely would love to get a, a big-time arm, a starter, particularly after Julian Bosnick. Uh, you know, he's in the portal. He may go professional, but either way, he's not coming back to South Carolina. To me, that's just another ding on Mark Kingston. I mean, it just is. All right, so I'm getting ready to play a soundbite from my guy, uh, Josh Pate, from the Late Kick Live on Spencer Rattler. And, and then I'm going to tell you why it is as significant as it is, and then I'm going to take you through exactly, you know, I've said many times, this Gamecock team should be a, a breakout team if Rattler pans out, if Stogner, Bell, Juice Wells, uh, Josh Van, Amari and Brown, those guys perform on offense if the offensive line performs. I anticipate the defense being much better. Um, but this is a veteran club, and I'm going to explain to you just how important it is that South Carolina and their transfers perform really well this year. Let's listen to this uh Soundbite from Josh Pate on the Late Kick Live. Now, here's a big-time player that all of a sudden people aren't watching anymore. Uh, Spencer Rattler, how quickly people forget. This time last year, I could not walk down a grocery store aisle and look at a college football preview magazine without that dude's face on the cover. Why? Because OU was a preseason number one. And Spencer Rattler was a preseason Heisman favorite. Neither of those happened. Spoiler alert, if you've DVR'd 2021, but you haven't watched it yet. And so from Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler goes to South Carolina. 
This is so important for South Carolina, not just for 2022. What if he's right? I don't know that all of you have followed, you know, the the day-to-day around South Carolina, but Spencer Rattler, especially when he initially got there, he was not shy about sharing some thoughts about the comparison. Old program versus new program. Oklahoma versus South Carolina. And he talked about how it just feels so much more natural at South Carolina. Feels like it's a better fit. I, he, I am paraphrasing here. He said something like, I've learned more since I've been here than my entire time in Oklahoma. I think a lot of people chalk that up to sour grapes. Maybe it was. Let me give an alternate possibility. What if he was right? Or what if both are true? What if he is rubbed the wrong way by the way things went down at Oklahoma, but he's also telling the truth about the comparative analysis of the two programs? Well, that means if he is telling the truth and he delivers, he upholds his end of the bargain, Maybe South Carolina has a better season this year than you expect, which will be two years in a row that they've done that under Shane Beamer. Now, if they win eight games this year, it's obviously big because they they overcame your expectation level again. But think about what a successful 2022 will do for South Carolina moving forward. Because all of a sudden, what you get to do is you as a staff, and apparently, judging by this weekend, they don't need a whole lot of help in recruiting, but you get to take that example out on the recruiting trail, not just in high school, but also you get to become a quarterback portal player. You get to be a program that's viable because you've got a case study. You've got a proven data point. You go and you talk to whoever it is that's on the move in the portal and you say, come to South Carolina. And when opposing staffs tell you don't go there, you can't win there, just point to Spencer Rattler. It's so big for them moving forward. You know, they're trying to get a foothold. They're trying to find their recruiting niche just like Michigan State has in East Lansing, that is going to go a long way to determining whether they can do that. I got another. All right, so that is Josh Pate from the Late Kick Live, uh, episode number 273. And I believe that was uh, on Sunday night. All right, so my friend Josh, he came on the show after Rattler and Stogner transferred to South Carolina. He talked about this work if it works out south carolina could become a destination program for guys in the transfer portal well historically here's what happens when you have a coaching change okay is the new coach came in and won with uh you know some good players they picked up in their first class but mostly with the old coaches' players for the first two to three years. Then they they cycle down because their first recruiting class wasn't that good because of when they came in. Let's face it, you know, up until the portal, if your coach got fired, your class was garbage because of the early signing period, right? Like everybody decommits. It's vultures are circling. Everybody gobbles up your players, okay? Uh, Case in point, if we look at the uh, team rankings, okay, for South Carolina from 2021, you'll see South Carolina's class ranked number 79 in the 24-7 sports composite, number 81 by 24 seven sports behind such notable programs as North Texas, 
Appalachian State, Toledo, uh, Billy Napier, the Fighting Raging Cajuns, UNLV, Wake Forest, USF, Kansas, San Diego State, Washington State, you get the idea. Okay, it was not a great recruiting class. It was COVID on top of Will Muschamp going two and eight. Uh, they had several good players. Uh, it still was probably a fringe top 45 class. All right, and so South Carolina won. They exceeded expectations last year. How? I don't know. Four different starting quarterbacks. You know, Florida quit on Dan Mullen, and Brian Harson was Brian Harson at the end of the first half, and Auburn did what Auburn did, which was lose every single game after Bo Nix was no longer their quarterback. Even though they still almost beat Alabama, um, you know, they let South Carolina in that game with that horrific fourth down play call. That was Brian Harson. It was not. Mike Bobo, everybody's favorite punching bag, okay? They took Tank Bigsby off the field and ran uh, a double fake and a, 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 like a double route to a tight end who was triple covered. And it's, the Gamecocks went 34 yards and scored the big man touchdown with Trey Jones uh, to, you know, tighten that game and have all the momentum going the second half and they won. That got them to six wins. Then they surprised everybody by using DeKarian Joyner at quarterback and Jaheim Bell showed up big and so did the defense and they just overwhelmed North Carolina. The rest is history, right? Nobody remembers the fact that you had negative yardage uh, against Texas A&M till the end of the third quarter and you only crossed midfield twice against Clemson on the last play of the first half and the last couple of plays of the game. Not to mention the fact that you could have lost to East Carolina and Vanderbilt at home. All right, it was a miraculous season, but it happened. They won, mostly all with Will Muschamp's players. All right, now that it will not be the case this year, although... There are a lot of those players that are left, but most of them are out of eligibility or will most certainly be draft eligible this year. That's why it's important for South Carolina to have a good year, to exceed expectations, to win seven, eight, nine games, finish strong, another bowl game, beat, knock off a couple people you're not supposed to, but for guys like Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner and Juice Wells and Christian Beale Smith and Devonnie Reed and uh, Terrell Dawkins, Corey Rucker, you need your transfers to have a big year, and here is why. I'm not as worried about quarterback, honestly, because I have to say Marcus Siderfield's done a phenomenal job, okay? If Rattler has a great year and he moves on, you're going to have Luke Doty. You're going to have uh, Tanner Bailey. You're going to have uh, Braden Davis. You could have Dylan Lonergan. You've got... Jalen Daniels, a big walk-on that, quite frankly, looks like a four-star guy. 
okay, at running back. You know, unless Marshawn Lloyd rushes for 12 or 1,300 yards and has a great year and decides to declare for the draft, he'll be back. Juju McDowell will be back. Rashad Amos, hopefully, will will be back. And you got Lavoisier Carroll. All right, but here's where it's going to get tricky for you, okay? Because Austin Stogner, all right, Spencer Rattler, we feel for certain, will be a one and done. Austin Stogner, probably a one and done. Jaheim Bell is draft eligible this year, okay? Much to your chagrin, that was a guy Will Muschamp and Bobby Bentley signed, all right? If he has the kind of year he wants to have, he's out. He's, he's out of there, okay? Josh Van, his last year. Xavier Leggett, he's a senior. DeKirian Joyner's a senior. Marion Brown is a senior. Juice Wells, guess what? If he's your best receiver, like a lot of people uh, think he will be, he's draft eligible. You could lose him. All right, then let's get to the offensive line. Eric Douglas, the center. He's a sixth-year senior. He's done. Dylan Warnham is a fifth-year senior. He's done. Javon Gwynn is a fifth-year senior, a redshirt senior. He's gone. Jalen Nichols, who could come back because he really didn't play against in COVID, he's also a senior. So that's one, two, three. That's four offensive linemen. That's virtually your entire receiving core outside of Landon Sampson and maybe Corey Rucker uh, that you lose. I suppose Xavier Leggett could come back. Juice Wells certainly could come back, but if he has a big year, he's gone. Um, you're, you know, all of these guys are going to be starters on your offensive line, most likely. So that's going to be four starters on the offensive line. Now let's go to the, uh, defense. Let's look at the edge position. Jordan Strong, sixth-year guy, gone. Jordan Birch, what if he has that big junior year? I mean, we all know his, about his mom. We know that family. He could be gone. The, who, then who's left? Okay. Are you going to be counting on freshmen? I mean, you got to hope Gilbert Edmond. You got to hope Tyreek Johnson. You got to hope Terrell Dawkins, who also is draft eligible, that he comes back and gives you something. You know, you only signed one high school edge guy, and he's a developmental guy. So you just don't know there. At linebacker, you got two sixth-year players, Brad Johnson and Sherrod Green, and Mokaba, your next best linebacker. He's draft eligible. What if he decides to go the Ernest Jones route? Okay, uh, at defensive tackle, Zach Pickens is going to be your best player. MJ Webb is solid. You hope you get something out of Rick Sandage. You do have good depth there. You're probably going to sign a couple more guys. You got Boogie Huntley. You got Tonka Hemingway. You got DeAndre Martin. Uh, you got Demetrius Watson. You got Felix Hickson. You got Jamal Weiss. You got TJ Sanders. You got Nick Barrett. 
and you hope you're going to get Elijah Davis, who's a JUCO guy who will help. And you'll probably, your other guy will be a four-star guy. So not as concerning there, but still you are losing your best player on the edge. You're losing your best player inside. You're going to lose two starting linebackers. What if Mokaba uh, overtakes one of those guys, has the big year, and he goes? Well, you do have some nice younger players there. You've got uh, Stone Blanton in there, Donovan Westmoreland. You got Debo Williams. You got Pup Howard, who I think could probably come in and start if he's a mid-year guy. And you're going to add probably add another big-time four-star linebacker. So maybe I'm not as worried there. Okay. Um, but in, and in the secondary, okay, you're, you're going to lose four starters in the secondary. You're probably going to lose both corners to the NFL draft, Cam Smith and Darius Rush, and then R.J. Roderick and Devonnie Reed. Now, you know, you will return some guys there, right? You know, you will have Peyton Williams, Anthony Rose are in early. O'Donnell Fortune, Joey Hunter, who neither one have done anything yet. David Spalding, your nickel. He's draft eligible, but he'll probably come back. Marcella Style will probably come back. Isaiah Norris will come back. Um, you know, and you got some really nice guys coming in this summer, like Emory Floyd, like Keenan Nelson Jr., like Kwan Banks, and you've already got four commitments for the secondary class um, for 2023. You know, certainly a couple of those are developmental guys. Um, and so here's why I say all that. If South Carolina is going to be losing a number of veteran players. And so to supplement that, this portal recruiting class, you may have to sign double-digit guys. You may have to be like Nebraska or some of uh, these other schools. Okay, give me just a minute and I'm going to get to it. All right, like I'm not saying you'll be Southern Cal and take 20 or Ole Miss 17. You might because LSU 16, Oklahoma 14, Nebraska 16, UCLA 13. South Carolina and Arkansas took nine. Florida State took 12. Miami took 11. Okay, Michigan State took 10. All right, you may have to take double-digit transfers if you want to keep that upward trajectory moving. Otherwise, you're going to have to be relying on a lot of of young, inexperienced football players. And let's face it, that's not a recipe for success. Now, look, 
Are you going to return a lot of good players? I mean, you, you are, right? But you are going to be thin at receiver, okay? Unless some of these guys get sixth years or come back for their fifth years, you're going to be thin at wide receiver, okay? Right now in your receiver class, you got two guys. Both of them are probably developmental guys. Okay, you need for an Xavier Leggett probably to come back one more year. Hopefully Juice Wells comes back. Corey Rucker. If those guys have good years and come back, you're cooking with grease uh, because I do believe, you know, Landon Sampson's going to be a guy and I like the guys you got in this class, but you're probably going to have to hit the portal again, particularly, you know, if you lose one. You know, if you lose Jaheim Bell, you're going to probably lose Jaheim Bell and Austin Stogner. Okay, you may have to, you know, figure that out. You got two tight ends committed, but Sandlin's never played the position. Connor Cox is more of an in-line guy, right? At running back... If Lloyd comes back, you got McDowell back, Amos back, Lavoisier Carroll back, you're in good shape there. Offensive line, you know, that's why you got a you got a JUCO guy coming in. Okay, but you you will return some guys. Okay, like, you know, Jalen Nichols, like I said, he could come back, Ja'Kai Moore. Vershawn Lee, Tyshawn Wanamaker, Trey Jones, John Darius Morgan. Uh, you signed three guys. You got Isaiah Jada, the JUCO. He'll come in in January. I like the guys you're signing. Trevon Baugh, Marquis Anderson are both high school All-Americans. I am projecting Marquis Anderson to be a Gamecock. I don't think that's any secret. Defensively, though, you, you're really going to be in a bind on the edge unless you get a transfer. If, you know, Gilbert Edmond and um, Tyreek Johnson, Terrell Dawkins, you need all those guys to hit and... Uh, you need your you need your signee. Okay, you need the the one guy that you signed in that class, Brian Thomas Jr., to have a hell of a red shirt season. And then you may need. You know, if you hit on two or three of these freshmen, a Montague Rames, maybe a Jabron Harvey, maybe a TJ Searcy, if you hit on those guys, you're probably they're probably gonna have to play. I mean, that's just where you are at linebacker. I do think you can sustain. Then the secondary, you gotta hope, you know, maybe you get one or two portal guys and then your young guys are able to come along. I mean, that's why this year 
It's important, and I know South Carolina's got a difficult schedule, but if South Carolina, you know, and your transfers, if Devonnie Reed has a good year, if, you know, Austin Stogner, Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, those guys have success with all the losses you're going to have on this roster, you've got a great story to tell You know, you got to hope guys that, you know, probably are redshirting like Xavier Short, who I think is the guy that's got a chance to be a really good H-back, DeAndre Martin. You know, your young offensive lineman, uh, in particular, Kaysan Henry uh, and the big kid from Pennsylvania, whose name is escaping me currently. I don't know why. Um, you just need, you need those guys to really develop for you. Ryan Brubaker, right? So, this is going to be an interesting season for South Carolina. It is an interesting case study. And then next year in year three, you know, can you withstand the heavy losses uh, that you most certainly are going to endure? All right, so now let me tell you a story about how my car may be ruined. Out of, out of last spring, I bought a brand new black. Toyota 4Runner Nightshade, so it's black on black, all of it. Rims, all the chrome, everything. Leather package, I call it black magic. So I take it to the dealership today for my 20,000 mile uh, service. And on the way back, some guys hollered and, and pointed, and I didn't know what it was, and I drove on up the road a few more miles, and all of a sudden my oil light comes on. I could smell something burning, and uh, evidently they did not reattach the screw on the bottom of the oil pan very well, and I had to, I had to call the dealership they're sending a tow truck to get my car. I don't know if the transmission's wrecked or not. I know there was some oil left in it because uh, it all ran out and my the rest of it ran out in my driveway uh, on the way home. But so that's just totally discombobulated me and my day. It's my wife's birthday today. I was going to get her present. I was going to run some errands after I got my car serviced. And I had to come straight home, scared to death the transition was going to drop out of my car. So hopefully I'll keep you guys updated on that. So coming up tomorrow, a real treat. We'll have Colin Taylor. We'll get into men's basketball. We'll get into... Uh, Gamecock baseball, we'll see what Colin thinks about uh, Mark Kingston, 
Julian Bosnick hitting the portal, and uh, can this team get back on schedule? And we'll talk about Lamont Paris and men's basketball as well. They've still got two roster spots to fill. So until tomorrow, this is Keith Alsep, and this has been a lot on the Gamecocks podcast. Cheer me up and take me home, Stevie Ray. I'm out of here. Sweet little baby, I'm a little lover boy.